What's really going on in the Toronto real estate market today? Well, we'll find out by talking to Jason Mercer, the Director of Market Analysis for TREB on today's episode. Stay tuned. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hi, and welcome back to the show. Very excited to present today's episode to you. As I said in the intro, talking to Jason Mercer, and Jason Mercer is definitely one of the people who I've been hoping and trying to get on the show for quite a long time, and I'm very excited that it's finally happened. Jason is one of the top people to talk to in the industry when it comes to what's happening in the real estate market because he's the director of market analysis for the Toronto Real Estate Board. Toronto Real Estate Board, once again, is the largest real estate board in North America, probably the world. As far as I know, it's uh, over there are over 50,000 real estate agents in the entire GTA. And Jason's been doing his job for a number of years now. He's just got tremendous level of insight into not just the numbers, but the story behind the numbers. And that's, again, one of the reasons why I started this podcast in the first place almost four years ago now, believe it or not, um, because I wanted to have more in-depth conversations with people like Jason and allow real estate investors and condo investors specifically to hear what's going on from people who actually know what's going on instead of just getting little sound bites here and there, little quotes in the media um, that are often distorted or twisted or um, just misinterpreted to fit uh, other agendas or other things. So uh, without further ado, here it is, my interview with Jason Mercer. Enjoy. All right, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show for the very first time, Jason Mercer. Jason is the Director of Market Analysis for TREB. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, great to have you on. I know we've been going back and forth for a little bit, and uh, I'm really excited to finally get a chance to sit down and chat with you. Um, obviously, when it comes to looking at the market and, and uh, you know, analyzing the market, uh, you're, you're certainly one of the top, top people um, in, in this industry to talk to. So really excited to have your time here today. Um, why don't you start by just telling us, I mean, I'm just meeting you also for the first time and, and people listening are hearing you for the first time on the show. Maybe you could start by just telling us a little bit about your story and sure. how did you get started in, you know, in, in real estate and how did you come to sort of be, uh, becoming the director of market analysis here at TREB. Right. Well, well, I started at TREB in, uh, you know, the first working day of 2009. So we're getting on a decade now uh, uh, with, uh, with the Toronto Real Estate Board. Uh, before that, I was with the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation for the better part of, of five years, uh, most of which was spent sort of being their senior analyst covering off the, uh, the greater Toronto area. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of partnership between CMHC and and uh, real estate associations and boards. So that's how I got to know, uh, you know, board members and also uh, uh, staff here at, uh, at, at TREB. And, and certainly, you know, with that experience, looking at both uh, the resale side of the market and, and, and new homes, uh, you know, I, I've been happy over the last uh, decade or so that I can bring that sort of expertise to bear um, on the marketplace and also, you know, help out our membership. But I think it's also been a, a two-way street in the sense that from, a, from an analyst perspective, um, you know, it's always easier getting the, uh, getting the numbers and sort of crunching through those in one way or another. But what, what I really benefit from, 
um, at Treb over and above that is, is the is the fact that I can you know speak to our members who are day to day representing buyers and sellers in the marketplace, and so you can get a good feel, a qualitative feel, if you will, um, for what's going on. And, and, yeah. and you know what buyers and sellers are saying and the questions that they're asking and, and so that really helps when you're thinking about you know what's happened in the marketplace and even more importantly what you think is going to happen moving forward yeah so what is your role exactly uh, um what does it entail exactly because you kind of touch on something there you're you're sort of representing the board to the public in a way and, and saying these are what the stats are and this is kind of what they mean but you're also dealing directly with Treb members, i.e. realtors such as myself. Um, so what, how do you, like, how do you see your role or what is it, is that fair? Like you kind of have that dual role or? Yeah, I think it is. I wear, you know, two or three hats here at Treb. Okay. When I first started, it was, uh, you know, pure and simple. We wanted to kind of build up uh, the type of statistical reporting uh, that we have now, or we have a you know a number of different reports where or we're pretty visible um, in the marketplace. We're able to not only produce public reports, but also uh, you know uh, a reporting platform for our members. We're also able to um, you know bring that to bear in, in sort of the policy debate at different levels of, of government. So we're involved in, in on, on the government relations uh, front as well, but also in the background. You know, I'm responsible for a lot of both MLS products and third-party data products, you know, sort of from the actual back-end technology out to members. So I'm not, you know, mm. a, 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 a server guy, sort of a, a nuts and bolts IT guy, but right. I, I'm certainly involved on a day-to-day basis with sort of the delivery of the finished product, if you will. Um, so whether right. you're talking about, you know, products that are associated directly with the MLS or most recently, you know, we've announced for our membership that, uh, you know, we'll be implementing a, you know, new electronic forms and signatures package and that kind of thing. So I, I, I touched sort of that side of it, okay. um, as well, but all of that one way or the other is sort right. of data focused and it's just your, your packaging right. up in, in different ways for, for different uses. Right. Um, curious, like when the government, I mean, there's been a lot of government, policy changes over the past year or so so that's affected the real estate markets um do like does do you get involved with that do when they're making changes and things are you consulted on some of these things i mean i would think being in your position as you know the the head of market analysis for the largest real estate board in possibly the world uh certainly in ontario you'd be consulted when changes are coming down the pipe or when they're thinking about doing this and that. Is that the case? We are. And, and, and you know, I would say from the CEO through our chief government relations officer um, and then into the market analysis side, I, I, you know, we've been very involved at, at, at different levels of government over the past few years. And, and, and certainly that came to a head um, after the announcement of the foreign buyers tax out in British Columbia. So sort of midway through 2016. Yeah. Um, and at that point, you know, there's a lot of questions being asked, uh, you know, what's the level of foreign buying activity in the right. GTA? You know, do we need a similar um, series of policy moves uh, uh, in the Ontario context? And, and that really did sort of uh, kickstart a real round of, uh, of of discussions both at the provincial level and at the uh, at the local level and we're happy to take part i mean we we you know there's been a series of round tables that have been hosted by the by the provincial government we've been consulted on more than one occasion also on the prospects of things like a, a vacancy tax or what have you at the city of toronto level and so yeah. you know we, we 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 certainly do have a i would say a good relationship 
um, with the different levels of government. We don't always see necessarily eye to eye on, on, on some of the policy moves and, 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 and decisions. But, right. um, I, you know, I, I think we do, um, you know, I, I think from the perspective of Treb, we do a good job of putting forth our message both uh, um, you know, from a, from a, from an organization to government level, but also from a public relations perspective as, as, as well. And I think that has, you know, fed through into that debate. Hmm. Um, do you, do you track, I'm curious, do you like for, for me or for people just in the public or agents, like when we are looking at this, just, you know, those of us who are interested in looking at the statistics, not everybody is, but obviously a lot of people listening to this podcast are, um, we sort of look at the, the stats from month to month as they come out. Um, I'm curious, are, are you looking at the stats like daily kind of tracking things? Do you have that ability or do you really take it as a month by month kind of quarter by quarter basis when you're looking at the stats yourself and, and trying to understand and keep on top of the market and everything that's happening? Are you, is it a day to day thing for you or is it, uh, is it sort of, do you look at, do you view the market on a month by month basis kind of thing? Um, I'll, I'll look at it, you know, in, in, in both cases, cause the day to day sort of helps me start to think about, you know, how the month's progressing. And especially if you yeah. look at it historically, right. um, you know, you can kind of tell, you know, if things are sort of unfolding as you, as you'd think or, or not. I mean, an interesting, uh, an interesting period was, um, you know, when, when, when the, when the fair housing plan was announced by the province and uh, I believe it was April 24th or 26th of 2017. And, right. and, and, you know, there, there is a pretty, you know, quick, you know, a, a notable change right. um, in, 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 in people. I'm not saying, you know, not necessarily in the course of days, but certainly over a couple of weeks, you started to see, right. you know, an impact, uh, um, in the, uh, in the, in the, in the marketplace. So it's, a, it's important to do both. You can, you know, when the frequency increases in terms of what you're watching, you also have to, you know, filter out the noise a little bit because I mean, right. you know, you, you can get deals done, you know, a whole bunch of deals done in one day just for, you know, whatever reason. And, and then, right. you know, you'll kind of move back down. Our, so you always have to kind of approach it that way too. I mean, you know, one of the things. Sample was, size becomes very important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it, I mean, even in a, even in like a mature condo market like toronto's yeah um you know and like from a new home perspective when i was at cmac this is even an example where monthly uh, data can sometimes get yeah. volatile is that you know you if you had you know two or three large say three four five hundred unit buildings start in one month right um, and throw things off it, you could see a huge spike yeah. and and you really have to sort of manage when you put, yeah, was. when you put that information out there, I mean, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Sure. I don't know about you, but it's, yeah, when you, when you, you're responsible for reporting on this, uh, on this data as it comes out from month to month. And so you put that information out there, if you're CMHC or somebody like that, uh, and then the media will, you know, immediately jump on that and yeah. say, whoa, there's a huge up or whoa, there's a huge down. Um, and it, it makes, it just makes for a very easy headline, but it's not an accurate depiction of, what's sure. actually happening in the market. And I know our members too. I mean, uh, you know, we have a lot of sort of data savvy members that, uh, you know, are certainly looking at the, uh, at the system on a daily basis and are certainly, you know, up to speed on what's going on, yeah. if not for the GTA as a whole, but then certainly, uh, um, certainly in, in their sort of market Markets, area of choice. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's always interesting to, you know, have, as I said earlier, a, a discussion yeah. with these individuals and get a sense as to, you know, what their interpretation of that is vis-a-vis what they're hearing from their, their customers, either on the buying side or selling side. Right. I'm curious, what's, what's the first number that you look at? Like, 
when you say take take the month stats, what's is there is there one statistic that you always go back to your bread and butter? Is there is there one number that you're always watching to get a quick sense of what the market is doing, what the market is like? I would say, you know, I, I don't know if I can put my finger on one, but I would say, you know, for, for me, like if you're if you're talking about sort of the public release of, of housing market information, probably the most important number that, that people talk about is, is price. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but for me, you know, if I'm thinking about, you know, the, the story surrounding price, I'm thinking about some sort of metric that captures both supply and demand sort of in, 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 in one shot. And I, I, I think, you know, probably the best indicator for that is, is, uh, is months of inventory, or you could turn it on its head. The reciprocal of that is, is sales to active listings ratio. And, and if right. you look at that, those indicators relative to year over year price change, they, they really do move in lockstep. Um, you know, and it only takes a month or two if you see a change, say in months of inventory for that to feed through into price, because people know it, they're working with their realtor, they're going around the neighborhoods that, uh, they like to purchase a home and they realize there's more signs on the lawn or Or there's not. Yeah. And, 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 and so they realize pretty quickly that, you know, there's a little bit of choice here. So if I don't get one, two, three Jones street, maybe I'll get four five, six because they're, they're, they're both on the market right now. But if there's only one sign. Right. Um, then you're seeing tighter market conditions, not unlike what we right. saw through, you know, all the way through 2016 and for the first yeah. quarter of 2017 when, you know, there, there, there just wasn't a lot of choice for people out there. Right. Yeah. No, that's it's interesting to hear. And something I've talked about on this podcast for years now, and, and I've always told people is look at the sales to listing ratio. Exactly. Um, for me, it gives you, for me, the way I describe it is it gives you uh, sort of a, a temperature of the market. Is it hot? Is it cold? And also, sort of the direction of the market: is it moving? Is it moving up towards you know? Is it a seller's market direction or is it a buyer's market direction? And in, in other words, are the prices likely to move up or the prices likely to move down or stay flat? Um, so yeah, the sales to listing ratio is it's great. It's interesting that you're uh, that's sort of how you look at it as well. Um, so let's say you're at a uh, cocktail party or backyard barbecue or something you must get this question probably more than anybody else <laughs> in toronto how's the market <laughs> because everybody knows what you do for a living how's the market how do you answer that question or i mean are you just absolutely sick of that question probably but i'm sure you're a polite guy you're going to answer the question sure uh and, and how do you approach that question or what what is your answer at, at the backyard barbecue well you know like right now if i were to go in for an early spring barbecue let's say <laughs> i mean i you know i'd be it would really depend on on what people are looking for if you were looking for a condo like if someone was saying my kids are looking to purchase yeah a condo i would say you know mm-hmm. it, it's pretty tight out there mm-hmm. like like despite what you're hearing sort of in general about you know the changes in the real estate market in toronto over the last you know year year and a half you're still talking about double-digit price growth in the condominium apartment market. And I think that right. points to two things. Um, number one, you know, despite if we were having this conversation three years ago, we would have been saying, well, what's going to happen when all these units complete and they come to bear on the right. condo market? Are we going <laughs> to see prices falling and that kind of thing? Yeah. You know, I like to turn that on its head now and say, well, what would happen if we hadn't seen that level of construction? Wow. We wouldn't be talking That's about a great point. You know, yeah. 10% average price growth for condo apartments in, in February. We would have been talking in the 20s yeah. or even into the 30s right. because you know, there's a ton of people pointed at that marketplace. So traditional buyers, 
that you know first-time buyers looking to purchase their first home they want to live in the city of toronto or, or another condo node around the gta mississauga markham what have you mm-hmm. um but now you're also i think we're, we're hitting that inflection point just based on price level um that people that may have been focused more so on the low-rise side of the market are pointed to either that condo segment a little bit more or townhouse segment uh whether you're talking right. about freehold or condo towns and so you know it, 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 we really have seen sort of a, a bifurcation of the market where we're still seeing, you know, strong price growth for towns and, and even more so condos, whereas we've seen a bit of a flatlining, I would say, for, uh, for, for, for detached and then semis. Now, some of that yeah. is because we're comparing it to, you know, what was a real spike in prices at the, uh, at the beginning yeah. of, of 2017. And so that's going to kind of come out in the wash a little bit too, as we move into the second half of this year. Right. And, and I'd say certainly as we move, you know, through the summer and into the fall, um, you know, there's a very good possibility that we're talking about year over year price growth across the board, but regardless, it's going to be stronger at that higher density side of the market versus say singles and semis. Right. Right. Tale of two markets for sure happening right now. We've got two months of data now, January, February for 2018. Is there anything that has surprised you so far in 2018? Not really. I mean, you know, I, I expected to see, um, you know, a, a relatively strong dip in sales. Um, and I expected to see prices down compared to where we were last year just because, you know, we were at, you know, extremely strong record levels last right. year, both in terms of sales and in price. Like yeah. if you annualize, seasonally adjusted and annualized first quarter sales last year, we yeah. were, you know, in the 120,000 range, right? right? So if we had seen sales that in 2017, that would yeah. have been, yeah, I mean, that would have been a huge increase over the record year that we'd seen uh, in 2016. And so, you know, extremely strong. And, and as a result, you know, you're seeing very tight market conditions. You were you were talking about months of inventory. You're talking about weeks or days, days of inventory. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 so you know, you're seeing you know, thirty plus percent year over year price growth. And and so we've come off of that. Um, and so it's not presiding, yeah. uh, you know, uh, surprising a year hence um, that that you know the the level of price is down. But if you look at it. You know, and, and we have our, our sort of standard set of charts that are on our website and, and you look at the overall average price. Sure, it's down from where we were last year. But if you look at that compared to, say, the trend that you saw leading up to, say, 2016, mm-hmm. it's not that dissimilar. Right. Uh, and that's why I say that, it, you know, it kind of comes out in the wash as we move right. into the second half of this year. Right. You do a lot of media and uh, just yesterday you're on CP24 and, and you're quoted obviously a lot. I'm sure you read all the headlines and see what the media is reporting on the market. Um, what what are the current set of headlines, the current you know narrative that you're seeing out there right now? What is it missing? Would you say? I think the the the, the thing that often gets missed the most is that there's not one housing market per se in the mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, in the city of Toronto or the right. or the broader you know GTA. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's, there, there's a reason why we're seeing, you know, stronger price growth in some segments versus, uh, versus others. And, and, you know, if, if we're, if we're talking about, you know, 10% plus price growth across the board, you know, we'd be having discussions about, you know, are, are things moving too quickly or what have you, but because it's sort of in one segment of the market, the condominium apartment segment where, you know, p- price growth is a little bit, uh, 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 or over price level is not quite as high. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get as much attention. But I'll tell you that the thing that's getting missed the most is that even though, you know, 
we're seeing sales 20 30 percent down compared to what we saw at the beginning of uh yeah at the beginning of 2017 we're still talking about two and a half three months worth of inventory which at best would be characterized as a balanced market right and and, and so the, the, that, that tells me that there's still a real supply problem and, yes. and as we start to see um, some buyers moving off the sidelines right. this year or even more importantly next year right you know we could be talking about tightening market conditions again it's, very it's, soon yeah. it, the thing is is that a, a, a changes in demand tend to mask supply mm-hmm. um, and 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 you know I guess my my biggest warning is that you know don't forget about the fact that you know supply remains an issue and it's clear it remains an issue on the low rise front but when i'm seeing double digit price growth in this marketplace today for condominium apartments it also tells me that there's a supply issue that could become more of an issue on that condominium apartment front as we move forward as more people you know start to shift towards that housing type um outside of say first-time buyers and what have you right right yeah I mean, anybody, yeah, it's just very easy right now if you're just catching the headlines, if you're just talking to people on the street, so to speak, that you could fall into the fall into the impression that the market is is bad or it's slow or, um, you know, the sky is falling kind of thing. But you're right. If you just scratch a little bit below the surface and if you take a, a little bit of a step back and look at the bigger picture of the last five or 10 years and you take into account you know, something as simple as, you know, there's, let's say five years ago to today, there's approximately 500,000 more people yeah. living in the GTA. Again, the, the 100,000 per year number of the GTA. Uh, you quickly realize, yeah, like you said, like things are actually not that bad. The market is 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 maybe balanced, as you said, at worst. It's, it's overall, it's not, not really characterized as a buyer's market. There's pockets, maybe where there's buyer market pockets, Mostly it's balanced or seller's market territory. So yeah, you're right. I mean, once all these buyers that have been kind of sitting on the sidelines for the past six to 12 months, sort of waiting to see how things shake out, well, eventually those buyers are going to enter the market and say, all right, I've been sitting around enough. I'm, I'm, re- I'm going to jump in now. And when that happens, yeah, it's, uh, we, we could be very quickly, you know, like you said, second half of this year, I think once the headlines start changing in the second half of this year, and I've been saying, you know, once once the year-over-year numbers start getting compared to J- July, August, September numbers from uh, 2017 compared to what's coming up in 2018, and those headlines start going from sales down, you know, 30% to, you know, maybe sales up or prices up, you know, right. once those adjectives start changing, uh, I think there's, there could be a major shift in the market in the second half of the year. I think it's true. And I think the other thing is, is that, uh, um, you know, the mix of listings, I think, has changed just to a certain degree as well. So if you, you know, you think of some neighborhoods within, um, you know, the city of Toronto or the surrounding regions, um, it, I, I think there's a lot of people out there and, 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 and I'd argue, I don't think a lot of our members would, would, would disagree with me that, uh, you know, they have clients that are looking sort of for a typical house in these neighborhoods. And a lot of times you're not seeing that sort of typical, like say in central Toronto, a, yeah. you know, a, a two-story built in, you know, 1930s, 1940s, if someone wants to buy as sort of their first foray into that sort of segment of the market. Mm-hmm. And, and those are still tough to find because, you know, yeah. the other thing that we've seen is that, uh, um, a lot of the owners of those homes are deciding not to list to move up. They're deciding to renovate instead. Um, and I think that that presents another issue on the supply front 
is that as we see more and more people deciding to to renovate, it does two things. Number one, the sort of the the the, the listing cycle changes. This is a time when people decide to list their home for sale to buy another one. That extends. Yeah. But then number two, you're changing the stock forever. Right. So what used to be, say, an entry-level semi that or, needs work. or single isn't anymore. Right. You've added another $250,000, in, right. in improvements. Right. You've made it bigger. And so now it's kind of in between that sort of entry level and, say, you know, a newer infill home. And, and, and so a lot of these neighborhoods change and, and, and they're not necessarily um, as accessible, say, for a, you right. know, a second round buyer or what have you. And I think that gets to the notion that you know, we need to look at a greater diversity of supply, like like uh, terms like missing middle and that are thrown around a little bit more as we've mm-hmm. had this sort of housing supply debate. And I, and I think that, you know, looking forward from a policy perspective, I think that's something that's going to be talked about a lot is, is in existing neighborhoods and new neighborhoods, you know, how are we going to, um, from a policy perspective, allow for, you know, a greater, I guess, diversity of, of housing stock. Yeah. Even we're seeing that in condos too, as as the condo market is maturing. Like you said, we've now we've got a healthy number of condos that are you know greater than say twenty years old. Uh, a lot of those condos are also being renovated, and a lot of value is being added to those. So, like th- those, like if you're a buyer and you're kind of looking for a, a pocket of affordability in the market, oh, I'll go over, I'll, I'll go over here and I'll buy an old house. Well, he's not selling that old house anymore. Or he will sell it next year, but after he renovates it and and makes the the price go way up, oh well, I'll buy this old condo over here because it's so much cheaper than a new condo. Well, same thing. He's he's reno- they've renovated that condo, and they've the the price has gone way up there as well. So, um, you know, it's it, it's yeah, it's it's interesting to 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 see that side of the market and and just looking at the different different factors and things that are driving prices up. No, I agree, and and uh, you know, I, I I think that as we sort of we're at more of an inflection point, similar to say where I would say Vancouver was say ten years ago, where huh. um, you know more and more people are looking towards um, you know those those higher. Do you, do you watch the Vancouver market closely? I do, and I you know I, and I grew up in Vancouver. I ah, moved out okay. here in in two thousand to go to school, but. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I do. And, and I think that, you know, to a certain degree as an analyst, I'm lucky to have the Vancouver, uh, experience to, to kind of look at, because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're thinking about, for example, the tax on foreign buyers that we saw, right. it provided a bit of a, a case study for us in the sense that, you know, we, we could see that it had an, a, a very immediate effect. Um, but then the effect started to unwind to a certain degree to the point where, you know, it's having now a negligible effect on the right. on the Vancouver market in terms of both sales and price growth. Right. Um, and and I would argue that a similar track probably would have unfolded in the in the in the Greater Golden Horseshoe, but for you know added policy moves, particularly the new OSFI stress test. Yeah. Um, and and also just generally speaking, we've seen we've seen borrowing costs edge upwards. But all else being equal, we probably would have followed a. A similar path because you know we really weren't seeing a lot of foreign buying activity in toronto i mean right. whether it was treb research where we were surveying our own realtors um and, and again i mean that that's an important point to make we, we before there was really any uh information in the marketplace about foreign buying activity in the gta treb actually uh, hired ipsos okay. to survey our own membership okay asking them you know if you acted on behalf of a buyer over the last year what percentage of those buyers were were, were foreign Right. 
Um, and the number we came up with was 4.9%. That was sort of the average that came out of that survey. And there's a lot of scoffing about, wow, that number seems really low. Right, right, right. But then, you know, the, 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 the provincial government announced their tax. And then a couple months later, they released the initial sort of land registry data that yes. they're now collecting. Yep. But that initial round of data was essentially deals that were grandfathered because they're just closing in, say, May and June. So those right. are deals that likely were signed, the majority of them, before the tax came in. Right. And we were talking yeah. about a similar number of foreign buyers. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, so, you know, somewhere, if you say, you know, foreign buying activity was somewhere between, say, 4 and 6 or 7%, that's a pretty small number, especially when you think about the notion that, uh, that uh, you know, our population doesn't grow but for immigration. Right. Um, right. And, and so, the, the, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of people took a step back that weren't foreign buyers per se. They were just taking a step yeah. back to see how the market was going to respond. Yeah. And then you started to see them come back into the market last fall. But then we kind of had the distortion from the Aussie announcement. And I think we're still kind of working our way through mm -hmm. that now. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I wonder if you put on your uh, a lot of real estate investors, condo investors listen to this show. Um, I don't know if you're an investor or not personally, but if you put on, if you were to put on your, in, your investor hat, looking at the market and the stats that you, that you're seeing right now across the GTA, where do you see as sort of the greatest opportunity to buy right now? If you're looking to invest? Well, I think certainly right now, um, an investor has lots to think about right now, you know, getting back to government policy first off, number one, um, and you know, I always make this point, um, you know, investment, especially in the condominium apartment space, has been very important uh, because you have individuals that have put money at risk at the pre-construction stage of development. They, they purchase those units. They, they enter in an agreement to close in a number of years uh, mm -hmm. when those units complete. Um, and there's different things that they can do. They can decide to sell that unit. They can decide to hold on to it and rent it out. And either way, um, those investors have ultimately provided dwellings for end users whether they sold them to an end user whether they decide to live it in themselves eventually right. or they decided to uh, to rent it out and so right. just the nature of the development process where there has to be a substantial a very substantial share of units sold at the pre-construction sales center before financing could come online and construction can start you know that that you know the the investor plays an important role in that overall development process and mm -hmm. that overall supply of housing process um, over time. Right. And so, you know, thinking about, you know, if, if I look at the condominium apartment space today and I'm seeing still double digit price growth, if I look at the rental market today and I'm seeing sub 1% vacancy rates for, for condominium apartments, um, it would seem to me that there's still room for uh, uh, more supply to be added yeah. uh, in that space. Now, if you're, if you're coming at it from a longer term standpoint, and this is a warning that, that, that Treb has certainly put out there, if you're coming from a longer term perspective, looking to say rent a unit out, you're probably looking at that a little bit more closely now, now that you could be subject to, you know, rent control guidelines right. that were brought on by the province. Because if your costs can escalate at whatever level they escalate, but for a sitting tenant, you can only raise rents by the rate of inflation. Right. Um, you know, I, I think that'll give some investors pause who otherwise would have brought more rental supply into the marketplace. They may be thinking, well, if I'm subject to, you know, additional guidelines, additional constraints, you know, maybe I'll look elsewhere for for, right. for a place to put my uh, my my investment dollar. And so, you know, I, I I think there's still certainly 
room for the investor in the marketplace, whether they, they, they're, mm-hmm. they're looking to sell a unit or they're looking to, to, to rent a unit out. Um, but I think, you know, uh, the investor has more to think about now. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly more variables than there were before. Sure. Um, go, thinking about all the government policies that have been, that have been put in place in the past year or so, um, and talking about how, you know, going back to the beginning of the conversation where we talked about the, you know, sort of a tale of two markets. Um, I'm curious what your opinion is. Do you think that the government in a way has, like, has screwed up the real estate market? Has uh, the policies have distorted or twisted the, think, the, the, the supply or the demand side of things? I think distortion is the best word for it. Anytime you see sort of a large-scale policy come online, you always see a distortion. There's always sort of an overreaction and then sort of a clawback. And yeah. we actually hit sort of a, a double whammy in the sense that we had the fair housing plan um, at the beginning of 2017, and we saw that downwards distortion, and then we started to see a sort of claw back and come back the other way towards the end of the year. Um, but then it was hard to measure you know, the exact change because mm-hmm. we, we then ran up against the, the OSFI stress test was announced to come into effect on January 1st. Yeah. And so that also prompted people to move into the market probably quicker than they would. Potentially, so yeah. Yeah, so now you're distorting the other way to the high side. Um, and I think we're still kind of working through that because you, you essentially have two things at play now. I, I think that, well, three things. I think, I think the fair housing plan, the effects of that are starting to wane. Um, but at the same time, you have people that are now coming to terms with the stress test. They're mm-hmm. also just coming to terms generally uh, with higher borrowing costs. Right. Um, and and so what's what's that's going to do is 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 well a couple things. It it doesn't necessarily have to be a binary decision. People aren't aren't necessarily going to say, well, I was going to buy and now I'm not. Right. But there's a lot of people I would argue right now that are saying I was going to buy this, but now I can't, and so right. I got to figure out what and where I'm going to buy. Right. Um, because right. that's the choice, right? I mean, there's, 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 when, when, when affordability becomes an issue for one segment of the market, people then decide, well, maybe I'll look further afield. Right. Or maybe I'll look at a different housing type or right. some combination. And, and, you know, it's a big decision. So it if takes, somebody wants to buy it, it, and it's very hard to tell them not to buy, isn't sure. it? Sure. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I, I mean, and that's, I think that's a big part of the, the, the thing that the government misses with all these policies is, is they're trying to change uh, behavior, but behavior doesn't necessarily work like that. No, People you, want what they want. Yeah, you can, change, you can change how you act in a marketplace, and I think that's ultimately what both higher borrowing costs and also the, the stress test guidelines will change behavior. It won't necessarily change yeah. But then aggregate people's uh, yeah. uh, want to buy, right? And that's when the distortion kicks in. Yeah. And when things get start to get twisted and things start to get wacky and weird and, uh, you know, that's when you start to make arguments against governments intervening in markets because it just makes things weird and, and distorts things and twists things. And then we have to unwind from that, uh, you know, and what unintended consequences, you know, it's like whack-a-mole. You hit, you hit one guy down over here and he pops up over there right oh you can't buy this house anymore well i'll buy this condo over there can't buy in toronto well i'll buy in mississauga it's true i mean nothing causes more distortion in the marketplace than either an actual change in government policy or the potential for change right and 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 sometimes the potential for change is even more interesting if you're tracking a market because sort of people now are on the fence and and they're they're thinking well maybe i ought to wait maybe i shouldn't wait maybe i should speed up 
And so you see people sort of acting differently. And a lot of times that can lead to indecision. And so it can lead to sort of a temporary lull in the marketplace. And, and to a certain degree, you know, you're seeing that now, I would say, with people saying, look, I want to buy, but I don't really know what, I don't really know where, you know, let's kind of see how the market unfolds over the next couple months too. And so that's why I'm saying that, you know, probably the first half of this year, you know, you're not going to see as strong a sales as you do say in the, in the, in the second half, just because right. the, the people are going through that discussion, like right. Saturday morning, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> sitting around the, you know, having a coffee and breakfast. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's a pretty common discussion in a lot of households around the GTA. Right, right. Um, it's easy to get caught up in the sort of month-to-month statistics and, and what happened this week or this month and, and you know, jump to conclusions on that. But um, I'm curious, taking like zooming out uh, on the market, what are you tracking long-term? Like what what are you most interested in watching that other people are not watching in terms of you know where is this market really going uh you know in five years in seven years in 10 years what are you what are you what are you watching what are you most interested in and curious about that other people are are missing because they're just obsessed with this month's price or last this month's sales i think one of the interesting things to look at over the next couple of years will be sort of the the makeup of, of, of say new condominium apartment launches. Um, because I, I think that you're like, whereas in the past sort of larger family size units represented a very small share and were oftentimes the last units to be sold in a, right. uh, in a given pre-construction, uh, context, I think both builders and say investors who are taking a longer term view, um, will be more confident, I think in, in, in looking at sort of those larger size units, but, you know, it, 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 it does represent a risk on yep. that front. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see how quickly that comes on. And I mean, you know, again, I mean, this is where we benefit from looking at the, at the Vancouver experience right. too, in the sense that now, yeah. not only in the downtown core, but also in a lot of the suburban areas, you have larger, you know, what would be arguably family sized condominium apartments that sell right. very, very well um, at the sales center, either end users purchasing at the sales center or investors purchasing at the sales center because they're confident that there is going to be that Demand family that, that wants yeah. to purchase that larger unit, right. um, you know, or rent on it. completion or rent it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, you know, we haven't seen a lot of that to date, but I would argue in, in sort of the, in, in sort of the, the, the pattern of development, we're probably about a decade behind what we saw in Vancouver. And so we're, we're probably sort of on the vanguard of that here yeah. in the GTA. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I think that'll be one thing is to look at sort of unit mix and, and sort of what the absorptions are on that front. Interesting. Um, talking about the rental market maybe as we're as we're getting to the end of time here but i'd like to just hear your take on the rental market and we haven't touched on it but just the fact again that you know rental prices uh, and you guys track this at yep. treb now with your rental reports rental prices just soaring and double digit rental That's increases right. in a lot of markets uh sub markets of the gta and, and condos especially um what's your take on that i mean what what is that tell you what story is that uh, what is that what is that indicative of as you're seeing you know this sort of unprecedented time where rents are growing huge and in some pockets prices are also growing huge yeah i mean i i think number one it's indicative of a, of a strong regional economy that you got people that want to move here and 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 either you know buy a home or rent a home yeah um so you know that that's number one <laughs> it's, it's always a plus that you're seeing that sort of demand but but you know on the downside um you know, it, it, a vacancy rate of less than one percent. Um, you know, it, 
isn't 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 sustainable if you want to say you have sort of a balanced rental market and so it's clear mm-hmm. that we need more supply and so yeah. um <clears throat> i think we're starting to move down the road to see more purpose-built rental being built um by by larger scale investors right um and 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 i'd argue that that probably some of that at least is in doubt now given new uh rent, rent, rent control rent control guidelines or at least yeah. It it's 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 slowed down the process because now you know that discussion is going to have to be had with the province right. and and you know how can we get this done and and have it make sense uh, from a pro forma perspective, but you know really where all the stock has been added and if you look at the CMHC rental market report where they track stock, um, really where all the rental stock has been added has been the, the condominium apartment front. Right. In the sense that you have individual investors buying, say, one or two units and they rent them out. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so they, too, I, I think are going to be, you know, taking a closer look at things. Right. Given that As re- you said before. Yeah, that's right. And also given the fact that, you know, uh, a, a condominium apartment investor, many of whom who have a quite a long term perspective are often viewed in a bad light. And I always come back to it that you don't see the supply of condominium apartments that we have today or the stock of condominium apartments today, but for the investor. Exactly. And you certainly don't yeah. see the growth in rental condominium apartments, but for the investor. And, and so I think that that's something that we, you know, if, if policymakers, different levels of government have to be mindful of is that without the investor, right. we have a tighter rental market today than we already have. Yep. Yeah, it's like you said earlier, uh, you know, three years ago, so many of the conversations were around, oh, we're building too many condos. Oh, what's going to happen when we finish all these condos? Oh, it's just, we're going to have a glut of condos. Uh, well, here we are today and, and rents and prices are soaring both, mm-hmm. obviously indicating uh, an under, you know, an undersupplied market. Um, so, yeah, where would we be without all these investors? We need to encourage investment. And many developers um, have been arguing this. We need to find ways to actively encourage investment in the rental stock, be it, you know, through the what's been the the only source of new stock in the past, you know, 15, 20 years, is, which is individual condo investors buying condos and renting them out, or hopefully through, you know, more institutional investors building actual rental apartment buildings which, as you said, is now, you know, for, for a lot of them, is it's really up in the air because they're thinking, well, do I really want to go ahead and build, you know, even though the rental market's very strong, do I really want to go ahead and build and invest hundreds of millions of dollars into this asset when, you know, I can only increase rents by, you know, 1.8% and my costs are projected to increase by much more than that, you know? So the, how does that make sense anymore? That's right. I mean, yeah. it's a, uh, you know, and, and so it, rep- it adds another layer of risk. I mean, anytime you're investing, I mean, there's, there's a certain level of risk, whether you're an individual investor or an institutional investor. But, you know, if you add layer upon layer, um, you potentially start to look at other options. And I think, you know, speaking, you know, we have a great regional economy. We've got an unemployment rate that's you know, at the lowest level in, in many, many years. Right. Um, but if you talk about the long term competitiveness, you know, the supply argument, you know, is, is paramount, whether you're talking about the supply of ownership housing or the supply of rental housing, um, because, you know, that's something that companies look at. Right. You know, is there an adequate supply of housing for at a reasonable cost? Yeah. Um, that that uh, Amazon. That, yeah, that, that, that people could take advantage <laughs> yeah. of. It's important. Did anyone from Amazon call you? No. Okay. <laughs> Just curious. Yeah. Maybe you had some inside information there. They wanted nope. to get some stats from you or something. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think most people would agree the chances of Amazon coming here uh, is pretty low. But it's 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 nice to be nominated. I think just to be you know <laughs> the, the 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 fact that you know you you talk about the the Google project, you talk about Amazon. Yeah, and, I mean it it just speaks to the you know where Toronto is globally in terms of right. you know a, a competitive center where people want to do business and and want to do business in sort of the the high value added sectors of the economy. Exactly. Jason has been awesome chatting with you. Really appreciate your time today. Hopefully we can have you again on the show soon. If people want to get a hold of you or read your reports or you know learn more about the work that you're doing, what's the best way for people to do that? All our reports you can access at uh, uh, trebhome.com. Um, and, and certainly you can, uh, you can access me through there as well. Great. Trebhome.com. We'll include a link to that on the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much, Jason. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.